This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hey everyone, it is now episode six of The Real Mom Podcast. Today I talked to a friend of mine who has adopted internationally. We talk about the expenses of adoption, we talk about managing everything from a toddler to a teen. We talk about special medical needs and transitioning a child from living in an orphanage to being in your family. It is a great conversation, a great episode, and I hope you enjoy. Here's episode six of The Real Mom Podcast. I'm talking today to Chelsea McCoy. Chelsea is a biological and adoptive mother. She has adopted internationally. So I'm excited to talk to her today about her experience with that and learn from her and just have fun chatting with her. So hi, Chelsea. Hi, Jamie. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? Good, good. So do you have an empty house right now? Like, are you home alone? I am home alone. How is that possible? (laughs) Um, We... Well, I call it Terrific Tuesdays because, you know, everyone's at school. My littles go to preschool on Tuesdays all day. Okay. Wow. That is pretty terrific. You have an yes. empty house right now. I, yes. I do a wrestling match with each of my children to get a couple of them asleep. And then I bribe one with TV and the other. So that, pretty, that does sound terrific to me to have an empty house. Yeah. All right. Is. So tell us about your family. Okay, so we have um, six kiddos, um, four biological kids. So we have all toddlers through teens. Our oldest is 13. He's actually almost 14, as crazy as that is. And then our youngest two are both adopted from China. We have a three-year-old and a four-year-old adopted from China. And then the rest, so we have three in elementary school, one in middle school. That is such an age range. That's crazy to have a teenager and a toddler. What is it like managing that? Um, I think that is one of the things we're like learning the most from right now is how, you know, figuring out everyone's schedules and what is best for everyone. Because, you know, I was, I have a friend that has a teenager and I'm learning that like as a teen mom, you have to stay up really late because that is when they want to talk. And that's when, you know, being the oldest of six, that is the prime time for him to talk to us because everyone else is asleep. So I, more and more coffee. Um, <laughs> but then the, the flip side of that is that the littles, you know, are knocking on our door at six. So figuring out how to, you know, have the endurance to have the energy for all of them. I think yeah, so kind you of- have the best of both worlds. You have the early morning, yeah. the teeny littles, yeah. the late night. Do, do your littles nap? They, um, so our three-year-old sort of naps. Okay. She's, she's kind of transitioning out, which is hard. So her nap is down to an hour or less right now, but at least it's, you know, a little nap. So That's yeah. what I feel like would be hard. Like my life is so in the home right now. I always have three or four nappers. And so it's just like, well, we're all in. And already just having a nine-year-old who has activities and all that, I'm finding that balance of like, we're in so much, but she needs to be out. I feel like that must be so hard to manage, like basically two different seasons at the same time. 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's what we're figuring out how to manage is how to keep everyone as involved in all the things they're interested in, but also do what's best for the family. So for us, we end up kind of like tag teaming a lot and not necessarily taking our whole crew to basketball games or, you know, the later night things, just because it's not the best for the little girls. And at first that did feel a little, a little strange to be like, we're not, you know, the, the whole family's not going to everything all together, but for us, it's just what works best and keeps everybody the healthiest is to kind of like split up when we need to. And how old were your, is it boys? Do you have four biological boys? No. So it's three and three. Oh, yeah, okay. So, okay. Um, my daughter, yeah. My daughter's my fourth grader. So she's okay. the third. Yeah. Okay. And so then, how old were your bios when you move forward with adoption? Yeah. So our oldest, so Lucy's been home almost three years exactly. So Lane was 10. And then, so Noah was seven, Izzy was six, Caleb was four. Okay. So, yeah. So I felt like that we were all solidly in elementary land. All right. So tell me what it was like just knowing that you were called to adoption. How did it become China? Tell me the whole story of adoption. Yes. So we, I feel like God brought adoption to us repeatedly over and over and over. And um, we either, you know, chose not to listen or we were just kind of letting the, for some reason, international adoption was always a piece for us that we, that was what we felt drawn to. But then the other side of that was, it's very, very expensive, like $35,000 expensive. And we just never had, like most people, that kind of a, you know, savings account sitting around. And so we would think about it and then we would be like, well, it's just, I don't know how that's going to happen. Maybe someday. And okay. So can I be super intrusive and just absolutely. say like, what did it look like to gather that money? Did it look like, yeah. you know, we're going to step out in faith or asking other people to surround you? Yeah. So that's part of like how we came to it. We had some good friends that were in the midst of an international adoption and they were adopting from China and they, we had a dinner with them and we just kind of shared, like, we're actually, we've been feeling called to adoption, but we have no idea how we'd possibly pay. My husband works for a church and we just had no idea how we would possibly be able to afford that. And so, and this friend looked at me and she, she, looked me straight in the eyes and said, like, if this is what God's calling you to, don't you ever let money be the reason you don't do that. And I was like, completely put in my place. I'm like, oh, that's like so obvious, (laughs) but why? Like, it just was something that like, I'll never forget. And it just hit me right in my soul. And I think for both of us, it was a couple of months later that we're we and she shared at that time, there's grants available, people fundraise. I didn't know people fundraised. I wasn't in that Facebook world that wasn't my circle yet and so I didn't know that this was a thing and she's like God you know like if this is where God's calling you he's going to provide and so we decided to take uh, November's national adoption month or world adoption month I can't remember but we decided to take a step forward and just go ahead and apply with an agency pay the the registration fee and just be like kind of like God here's our we are putting our line in the sand, we're doing this. Even So without the money idea. behind you, it was, we're going to Without the money. 
yeah. we just had heard great things about a certain agency. We went forward with them. We didn't even end up using them, but it was kind of like what we needed to do to like firm it up in our souls. God, this is what we're doing. Like we are moving forward with this. And it was about a month later, less than a month later, exactly. That, I mean, I didn't even know that there, there's a China waiting child Facebook page and it is literally pages and pages of children that are waiting children in China. And so once my friend showed me this page, I pretty much spent like a long weekend crying, mm. like looking through the stage, crying some more because um, something about international adoption I hadn't thought about, but that was so hard was you have to really face um, you, you pretty much fill out a checklist of what you're willing. And I don't know, foster care might be probably similar, but you have to say, I'm willing to do this and I'm not willing to do this. And all of the, the not willings felt really, really hard. And so, you know, we, we were broken, but we knew this is what we were supposed to do. We knew God would, you know, direct our steps on who was our child. And it wasn't long after that, that the same friend um, tagged me in one of the posts for this little girl, this the sweetest, most beautiful little girl. And she had a blood disorder. I'm a nurse, but I had never even heard of this blood disorder. And as God would have it, um, there was another family in this valley. We live in a pretty small valley like it's not very big and so the fact yes, that I know. Another, <laughs> yes. I'm like where is Target <laughs> are there Targets in Montana yeah. there's yeah there's one in our town um but she this other family was they were going forward they were about to travel for a daughter with the same medical need so this mom who's also one of my closest friends now she had gone and done I mean it was just it was really unbelievable what God did in like literally paving the way she had done all the research she had she was like so we talked on the phone for the first time and she was like oh yeah we're just you're gonna do this and you're gonna do this and I talked to this doctor in this hospital our hospital can do this and um and it was like oh my goodness and so then we went forward with that agency and started applying for grants and we had a Chinese New Year fundraiser no idea how much money we would raise um, we just had a group of friends that were all in to help us with this thing. I mean, it was so amazing. And we like overfilled this venue and raised close to $24,000. Oh my that word. Month. It was like, I mean, so it gives me chills. All right. That's amazing. Yeah. Was this friends and family who had vision for you to adopt so that were there at this it, event? Yes. So it kind of ended up being everybody people you know our our absolute closest people in the world and then people we didn't even know that well that just heard we were adopting and wanted to get behind that and um it was i mean we had people step up to be on our team that like worked the entire night that we didn't even know that well and they were like willing to do that we had donations from the whole valley like because it was a silent auction that was where a lot of the money came from i mean we, it was it was unbelievable, but really amazing. And just one of those moments where you're like, thank you, Jesus, for like making it so clear that like we're, you know, on the path that you have laid for us. And then we ended up getting grants for the rest. And it was, it was really amazing just to see that all fall, in, fall together. 
So I, I love two different things that you were just, that you just spoke to. One is the idea of just stepping out in faith. We believe that God has called us to this. We expect that he is just going to fill this gap and make it happen. And the way that that can speak to people who are considering international adoption and wrestling that. But the other thing that I love is for everyone else that we all are called to this in one way or another. You are called to bring a child into your home or you are called to help support or make it possible for someone else to bring a child into their home. And somehow we all need to be playing a part in orphan care, adoption, foster care. And like you said, you didn't even know there was this sort of idea of people supporting you financially in adoption. We need to make that a norm. I think that, you know, like even us, we've adopted and, but we, I always thought we were going to adopt internationally. My okay. husband has two sisters from China and Guatemala was always the place mm -hmm. I thought we were going to adopt from. But when foster care became the answer, then it became, okay, so how can we partner with other people? The orphans around the world who need families and need homes, what does it look like for us to help them and for us to Absolutely. empower the people around us? So I think this is an important discussion, big time, even though it's awkward to talk about money. Yeah. <laughs> and it can, you know, it's not like a fun thing to talk about. I think it's really important because it, it speaks to everyone, whether you're considering adoption or you've never considered adoption, we all need to be thinking about what it looks like to give towards adoption in faith or to accept <laughs> the way people are giving. And I've heard a lot of people say that that idea was hard for them. Did you struggle at all with, with people giving you money? So we, um, I feel like God prepared us in that way because we knew like with, we knew that there was literally no way we could, it's, I mean, we couldn't even like take on a second job to like fill that gap. Like it was just kind of, it felt so insurmountable, but that I think God made it very clear that that was the way he was helping us to get our daughter. And so, and because I think our community was so amazing and so willing and it didn't ever, we didn't run into awkwardness of like, you know, like when they gave, it was like with joy, like they That's were awesome. so happy. They saw our daughter's face. They, you know, she does, she has some medical special needs. And so they knew her, her story. And so they were just so excited along with us that it was, it didn't ever feel awkward to us. So, all right. So you also mentioned grants just for anyone who's listening, who's been considering adoption, but has the same sort of hold up with finances. How did you find those or which ones specifically did you go for? What did that look like? Yeah. So we, um, there is, I'll, maybe I could email it to you. Great. I can't remember what it's called. That's um, fine. I'll post it, it on um, the, yeah, on the landing page. There is a really neat organization that basically put, puts out a grant matrix every year. They update it. Maybe they update it twice a year and it has every single grant. It's a due date, what the specifications are, awesome. if it's state specific, all those things. And so we basically went through that and highlighted every single one that we were you know, eligible for. And then we went forward with those. So show hope is a huge one. That's the Chapman's um, mm -hmm. foundation. 
they both hands is mm -hmm. another one that we did with Hallie where you serve a widow while getting donations for your adoption. Oh, we just heard him speak at Refresh. Yes. He was awesome. Yes. Oh, and I he, loved him. He, it is such a cool organization because, I mean, I felt like I already knew JT when he spoke mm -hmm. because he's very involved. And um, that is just such a cool organization, the way that it works. And just, it was one of the highlights of our second adoption was our both hands day. Oh, cool. By far. It was cool. amazing. Um, there are so many out there that are just not even that well known. Um, Life Song for Orphans is another huge one. Um, there's so many and it's just really um it's very cool and so i mean some people will find local ones to their state like once you start researching i think it's really encouraging just to see what's out there that's great i hope that that really uh equips and also just builds the faith of someone who might be listening and has been considering international adoption i mean that is a huge hold up who has forty thousand dollars sitting around and so what did it look like then to do it the second time <laughs> so that was um even scarier to be honest <laughs> it felt like the first time because um you know to a to people beyond our main circle like our main circle of people totally knew we were considering adoption and all of that but we it wasn't something we talked about a lot with other people so it was like it was surprising and it was exciting and it was all of this and they all came around us and when um so our daughter has a pretty rare uh, medical special need and then there's you know the re facebook is redeemed by groups of parents that <laughs> are you know like find you know i'm sure like your group like for foster parents like there's a group like that for our daughters and for parents of kiddos with this um you know medical things so through that group, moms are constantly advocating for other kiddos that also have thalassemia because in China, kiddos that have this blood disorder have no hope for a future. Um, it, you know, there's so many factors that go into it, but it is not, um, they just don't have hope for a future if they stay there. Um, so mamas advocate hard for these kiddos. So we had only been home with Lucy for six months when we saw the picture of Hoot Hallie. And she, you know, once again, fell in love. I remember texting my, I remember exactly where I was sitting. I was, we were strangely enough headed into our first meeting for Deeply Loved um, with some people, which is a retreat. And I was sitting in a parking lot, texted him her picture, and like from that moment on, we started praying. And once again, God just made it really clear that she was our daughter, but it was much more scary the second time to think of asking for money again, especially so soon, because by the time we started sharing, it had not even been a year since we had been home with Lucy. And it was, it was very scary, but one of the crazy things was I am a podcast junkie. And so I had heard JT on a podcast sharing about both hands and how, you know, you can serve a widow and you're helping your adoption and you're serving the widow and the orphan. And he was so passionate that I was like, okay, God, like if, if this is what we're supposed to do once again, like I, it, it was like just something simple like that took the fear away from me. I knew that he would have a path going forward once again and we got even more grants the second time because some organizations will give you a grant even if they 
have given you one before. Um, and so it was once again, God provided and blew us away with um, just putting it all together, especially being so close to the first adoption. I'm interrupting my chat to make sure that you know about the Real Mom Podcast landing page. You can find it at www.fosterthefamilyblog.com slash realmompodcast. There you'll find links to all the resources we talk about, any books or fun things we discuss, recipes. That will be the best place for you to get the full Real Mom Podcast experience. All right, so let's talk a little bit just about your girls and what the experience has been like. So one has been yeah. home for three years and one has been home for a year and a half? Yes, yep, that's okay. correct. So yeah, what so has the, the transition been like? So, so Lucy, um, our, our oldest um, adopted daughter, she is, so it's funny, at the time I felt like, this is fine. This is good. It was funny because I was just telling someone it wasn't until that year mark had passed. And I was looking back being like, Oh my goodness, that was hard. And it wasn't hard in a bad way. It was hard in a, you know, she came from a very typical orphanage situation. She bonded to me immediately. And that's all she wanted. She didn't want her dad. She didn't want her siblings who were so excited to meet her. Um, and so we, you know, at the time, I think we felt like we're doing it. This is okay. But it was kind of like when you finally like, you know, have a little margin and feel like you can breathe again, that you look back and be like, oh, okay. I say that about foster care all the time. I'm like, I always think that, wow, I was in survival mode and I didn't even realize it. But then like every six months I say that again, like, yes. oh my goodness, I was in survival mode when I thought I was out of survival mode. It's just, you're kind of always there and you don't, yes. you don't realize it until you're out of it. Yes. That is how, that's for sure how it felt for like with Lucy, but she, I mean, she is so sweet and so amazing. She wasn't, um, so part of her medical stuff, it was, she is severely anemic. So she was tiny. She was a tiny, tiny little two-year-old that wasn't walking, wasn't talking, and just to see her grow, I mean, that was like yet another, just, I mean, so much of it was so incredible, but for, to literally watch this child, like blossom before our eyes was absolutely incredible because she just like plumped up and, you know, by, we were home in June, by September, she was walking, starting to talk so much more comfortable, you know, within about four months um, with her siblings and you know totally loves her daddy and it was um she is doing really really well and then our sweet Hallie oh sorry go ahead no I was just wondering in those few months before you know you said from June to September in those few months when it was really hard what did it look like for your kids and your husband to to sort of accept and be compassionate towards her when when it was hard for them yeah, that's such a good question. Um, so my husband is such a patient. Um, he just kept pursuing her and kept, but totally within the boundaries of her comfort. And he, of course, wore her down. And she is total daddy's girl. 
but, um, you know, he just would, I mean, there was a time she, he couldn't even get into bed. She wanted to sleep in between us and he couldn't be in the bed on his side of the bed until she was like solidly asleep. And he just, you know, slowly figured out how to pursue her heart. And um, our kids had a different method. They, they didn't understand that she needed space. So they just like, continued to try their very hardest to play with her and be like, you know, five inches from her at all times because they were so in love with her and they didn't yeah, understand. Yeah. And, you know, she was doing a lot of the typical stuff that um, kids from hard places can do, scratching and biting and hitting and, you know, all that stuff. And they would just like, oh my goodness, like they just kept trying and loving and being sweet and even my little guy, my four-year-old at the time, like, I was just so proud of him because he just never let it get him down. He didn't retaliate. He just, like, kept on trying, you know, no matter what. And it, I mean, it feels like so long ago, but it really was them just, you know, figuring out and her getting comfortable too. Yeah. That's really cool. I love to hear that. So I'm wondering as a nurse, knowing her special needs, did you feel more equipped and more like I could do this? Or did you feel more like I actually know what this means and I know what this could mean for her future? Like, what right. was that like? I, I feel like it was a combination of both. I felt like, um, being in hospitals and I'm like very comfortable in that setting. So that piece wasn't scary to me. Um, but there were definitely moments in the, you know, the research phase, like when we knew she was coming home, but we had those months of waiting that I was doing research and hearing things and um, that, that more fear could for sure be associated with that. Um, thalassemia is, is something where it's changing really rapidly and things are getting more and more hopeful like they are getting really close to being able to cure it. Wow. Um, there's a lot happening in that world that is very exciting. It's not a guarantee, of course. Um, and we just, you know, God gave us just such an incredible peace that she was ours that I remember like tearful conversations with my husband of like, regardless of what mm. this looks like, what her future looks like, how long she has, like, we're just going to, figure it out and just you know thankfully there is so much hope for for their future and um yeah I think that sometimes just with you know you mentioned the checklist before and we do have those in foster care okay. now you fill out the checklist and then you still get calls so you're still always reevaluating. is this still a no or is this a yes and you know I just said yes to a child it didn't actually end up happening, but that was far out of the realm of anything we thought we could ever do. I am not comfortable in hospitals. I pass out in hospitals. That's oh, not no. me at all. But I think all the time, I think of like with Abraham, he followed God, even though he didn't know where he was going. And yeah. so much of adoption, you know, one of my least favorite questions that comes up on like Facebook things and stuff is like, what is the prognosis for kids who are uh, exposed to drugs? Like, tell me that your kids are okay. And we want to be able to control their fates. And because they come with a file, I think we think more like, okay, we know what we're getting here. And am I okay with this, what we're getting? But 
with our biological children, we don't know what <laughs> we're getting. We don't know what their health needs are going to be, what their behavioral needs are going to be. And sometimes I think I'm grateful to God that he only shows us a little bit because when I think of our daughters and, and how they're doing and some of their struggles, if I saw the full picture before we jumped into this, would I have felt like that's what I want for my child? That's what I want for my life. I don't know that I would have, but once they're your child and you love them and you know that they're called to be yours forever, that question of like, am I okay with this checkbox? You know, I wouldn't check the boxes for some of the things that my kids are struggling with. But once they're ours, then they're ours and we have faith for it and we have joy for it and God gives us grace for it. So I love That's that. So true. I love what you're saying just of like, once you decided that she was meant to be yours, it kind of wasn't even about prognosis or needs or it's just like, well, she's our daughter and this is what she has. Yeah. And that, that's really how it felt. Although it's surreal, like to have this child you've never met genuinely. I mean, she was ours. Like I just Mm. remember how it's the, the waiting was so painful because like we just yearned for her to be with us um, and that it did, I felt like God was so gracious and so kind to like, it, it didn't feel extremely fearful. And I feel like a lot of, probably all of the um, adoption agencies that work with international adoptions, there's so much education about that exact subject because files are notoriously incorrect. And I'm sure it's, you know, maybe similar with foster care. I don't know, but um, it obviously you can't, you just can't necessarily trust that what's on there is true and what's not on there is correct. So there is a lot of it, you know, an education that goes into just letting you know as the parent that you aren't, you know, looking at this file doesn't give you a full picture of the child. Our daughter, for instance, um, had a diagnosis of being deaf on her file. And that is something that we had decided that we were fine with and we went forward and we took sign language and we did the additional things that we needed to do to because there's you know a whole additional thing they have you do if you're adopting a deaf child and um and she wasn't deaf (laughs) she's totally here (laughs) did you not find that out until you got to china we had a suspicion based on the videos okay that we could hear but um when we were there it was funny because we'd be like you know one of us would be behind her and make a noise and she would turn and we'd be like i think she can hear and she started saying mama and dada within like you know the two weeks we were in china i'm like i'm almost positive that she can hear us because otherwise like how would she be saying this and then you know by the time we got home we're like she can totally hear but we didn't know if she had some loss and it wasn't long after that we went and the audiologist was like she has perfect hearing oh my (laughs) word like you know it was just one of those things I know God would have equipped us and we you know he had placed some people in our lives that could have totally helped us walk through that um but it didn't end up being her story oh my word that is wild yeah and that that does sound like the kind of thing we get a lot of in foster care we get a lot of like 
oh, this child was supposed to be four and they're seven, or I go to the hospital to pick up a black baby and they're like, here's this blonde child. I'm like, I don't think that's the right baby. <laughs> but yeah, so we have some of that too. All right, so let's switch gears. Let's talk about you. Let's talk okay. about what you're doing, what you're eating, what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're listening to. What are you doing right now? Okay, um, right now, so we just started working on Deeply Loved for 2018, so I feel like that is on the forefront of my mind. It's an adoption retreat that um, I met you at, which was yeah. so amazing. Um, so we're working on that, which is just a, a pretty small local event here where we live. All right, let me give a little commercial though. If you are anywhere okay. near Montana, or to be honest, if you're not near Montana, you want to be at this retreat for two reasons. First of all, Montana is beautiful. So like if you live in the suburbs of Jersey, like I do, <laughs> then you need to get to Montana and be there. But also it is just so intentional in purpose. It's, um, just really a sweet time of moms coming together and having fellowship together and being equipped and encouraged. So yeah, I'll link to it because okay, I'm a big thank you. love fan. Yes. Well, we loved having you there and um, that's exactly our heart. We just want people, you know, moms that are in this stage and are deep into foster care, adoption, respite, even people, moms that are just thinking about it to come and be surrounded by moms that are doing it. Um, just for them to feel loved and to have that break and to be poured into like the entire weekend. So we're just kind of planning for the next, you know, the next one, which is really exciting. This is brand new, but I went to Moms in Prayer for the first time. So it's a I don't national know what that is. Yeah, I didn't know until fairly recently, but it's a national organization that tries to get a prayer group in every single public school. Oh, and cool. Yes, it was so good. It was just me and one other mom um, from our little school, but it is an incredibly intentional program that they, you know, they give you and you pray through very specific verses for your kids, for your staff, for the specific teacher each week. You pray attributes of God. It was, it was really, really. Wow, uh, I love that. So All right. Fun. I'll link to yeah. that also on the page. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And then my one other thing I was going to say that I'm doing, that's one of my favorite things I do on a monthly basis is supper club. I think oh, everyone like, needs to like be in Jen supper club. Supper club? <laughs> it's sort of, sort <laughs> of. Um, that, that was the, you know, where it kind of came from, but the way we do supper club is just ladies and okay. um, we take a turn hosting and cook something fun. And it's just been a really, really sweet time each month. So my friends and I had that for years, but we called it Pinterest night. Oh, and so, so we, everyone would make sort of like Pinteresty desserts and stuff. And then we would do a project. So whether it was like, you know, a canvas with a quote or whatever, you know, and so someone different would host and come up with the craft and buy all the supplies and plan it. And then everyone would bring food and $5. And that was our, that was, so that was our supper, supper club. I love it. Good. Those were good answers. I like <laughs> what you're doing. You're, you probably have my favorite answers so far. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> you win. All right. So what are you eating? 
Okay, so this is kind of funny. So I, you know, have listened to your other podcasts, and I know that you don't like people to talk about eating healthy. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. It um, just makes me feel bad but, about myself. So. No, no, no. I um. So last month I did like a whole month of black coffee, um, no gluten, no dairy, no, you know, all the fun stuff. Pretty much no sugar okay. for a whole month. Um, it wasn't whole thirty, but sort of. And so that was my last month. That hasn't been how this month has gone. So I'm kind of trying to figure out how to like balance. I love eating good food. My husband and I, um, having a 13 year old has changed our lives because we have a weekly date night. Babysitter. Yes. And he's the, you know, very typical, like, um, firstborn. So he's like super responsible Mm. and does a great job. So we love going out and eating good food, but, um, the other thing that I'm eating right now, which is so funny for me to say, so I've hated eggs my whole life, but I realized if I start my day with protein, I feel better. Mm. So I have been eating a fried, like a, an egg, like an actual egg, which any one of my friends that know me listening to this are going to be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> you never eat eggs. It was like a piece of toast, which is so silly. But, and the other thing that I found just like two weeks ago that a friend told me about was Costco Nutella. Costco brand Nutella. Wait, you know I'm like a Nutella fangirl. Okay, yes. Does, so is it like, so much. is it better than Nutella? Um, no, it's almost identical, but it's so much cheaper. Yeah, okay. See, the so. thing is, when you have an addiction like I do, the cost of it isn't really <laughs> very at all. So yes. I well, just kind of like it on there. Yes. My kids like it. They like peanut butter, Nutella sandwiches. So, but I felt like we would just go through the jars of Nutella like way too fast. So. Oh, I love it. that was, see, that was more my kind of answer. You threw in a little yeah. whole 30. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I feel good about it. <laughs> okay. yeah. All right. What are you reading? Are you a, like a reader? I love to read. Okay. I, I'm funny because I'll go through stages where I'll read a ton and then I'll kind of go through some dry spells. So I just finished several books. I try to read something that like my oldest can read also. Like I try to kind oh, of stay ahead cool. of him. I can't really, I can't do that anymore, but I've tried to. So I just finished Ready Player One, which is like a game okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. book, but they're making a movie out of it. Um, and he's reading that right now. Um, I just finished Daring to Hope. Um, oh, by cool. Katie I haven't read it yet. I love it. Oh my her, goodness. But... It's, it's so, so, so good. And then this is like, I'm 20 years late to this book, but I finished <laughs> the total money makeover. <laughs> By Dave Ramsey. Okay. <laughs> yes. Did you and, like no, do good. the course or just read the book? No, we've never done the course, but I started listening to his podcast about a month ago. Okay. And I was like, you know what? I should get the book from the library and read it. So I read it and it was, it was really good. So are you going to do the whole cash thing? So I have been doing his budgeting app. Yeah. Um, okay. For two months now. And it has been really good. I have not figured out how to make the envelope system work for myself yet. Yeah. But, um, you know, I have goals in my head that it'll work, but I have, it hasn't worked yet. But so you might, but you're going to try. You're going to yeah, try. I am going to try for some wow. things. Yeah. yeah okay. For, for groceries and date night and a few other things, we're going to try to do the envelope system. But even just being better about my budgeting and being intentional has been so good for us. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So what are you watching? Okay. So I started rewatching Parenthood. Last oh, week, me too. And 
I'm obsessed. Yeah, I, it feels I like I love it even more this I time. Do too. Than I do I love time. the characters more. Like Zeke, I feel like the first yes. time kind of annoyed me. And now mm-hmm. my heart, I love him. He is so loyal. And so he's just like always for his family and gets up yeah. in their business, even when they don't want him. And I love him. Yes. Yes. So I'm really loving that. And I think having a big family, I'm like, you know, I mean, I'm sure my children will not all end up living that close to me, but I'm like, oh, wouldn't that be just so amazing to have Sunday night family dinners? Oh, no. Yeah. So we do that as a family. My brothers and I, yeah, we have waffle night and I remember when we were all watching the show live. We often do that too, as we all watch a show together and we talk about it. We were watching it live and one time our basement flooded and I texted like my mom and said, mom, the basement flooded. And within 15 minutes, like every member of my family was at my house, like sorting through the basement taking, and my brother was like, this is like parenthood. And I was like, oh my gosh, it is like parenthood. It made me so happy. <laughs> that is incredible. Yes. Yeah. So, we're and then of course, this now. is us. Yeah. Okay. We know like that. Everyone, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I remember when the previews for This Is Us came out, that was the big yes. selling point is made by the creators of. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, well, if it's made by them, it'll be good. Exactly. That's what got me. Exactly. Okay. What are you listening to? Okay. So I, um, I love listening to podcasts and we live in the country. So we spend quite a bit of time in the car. So I will put my earbuds in while I'm driving and listen to things. So I'm listening to relevant podcasts, which I have for years and years, which okay. I'm like way old for their demographic. Cause they're like much more hip and young than me, but the other, my 13 year old loves it. So we got him on it. You connect on it. And it's hysterical. It really is so, so, so funny that he just like, he loves to listen to it and then talk about it afterwards. So that's been really fun. Oh, cool. And then um, I'm listening. Oh, and uh, so Lauren Graham, the actress, you know, from yeah, Parent, Gilmore Parent, Girls. Parent, Gilmore Parenthood. Girls, yeah. yeah. She has a book called Talking As Fast As I yeah. Can. And I'm yeah. listening to that on Audible. And it's oh. really funny and interesting. She's quirky and funny. And then my, right now, I, I'm someone that'll listen to the same song like, over and over and over forever and so I've been non-stop listening to King of My Heart by um, Stephanie Gretzinger mm, from Bethel good, so I'm kind yeah. of obsessed with that one that is a good song I feel the same way about a song I guess it's like if it speaks to your heart or makes you feel yeah. something or whatever it is and yes. you're like okay, yeah. repeat, repeat forever yes I'm the same way all right, Chelsea, this has been such a fun conversation. I loved hearing, this has been sort of the first time we've talked a lot about international adoption and certainly the first time we've talked about money and stuff. So you gave me really unique perspectives that I'm grateful for. So I am sure that everyone is going to love listening to this. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. This was great. Absolutely. Thank you, Jamie. It was so good to talk to you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. You can follow us online, www.fosterthefamilyblog.com slash realmompodcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash realmompodcast or on Instagram at at realmompodcast. Thanks for listening.